This is the non-microwave truth brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry, and I am C.L. Whiteside, the little man that could, the little man that would. And we are in our Black History Month special. I hope your February is going awesome. Let's get after it. Our first world problem question today. If someone was to tell you a story, what physical feature would you think is the most important in them telling you that story? What would you want to hear about? What, what would it be? Now, I'll remember this hilarious skit that Saturday Night Live did called Midday News, where they had a bunch of news anchors who were talking about and guessing what race committed the crime and what race would pop up next on the news. And I think in our American culture, it is race. But what about the Bible? What physical feature was most important in the Bible? And for some of you, you might be like, does the Bible mention physical features? Oh, yeah. The Bible talks about someone's body being super, super, super fat. You're like, where does it do that at? In Judges, it was a dude named Ehud who was a judge who killed a king who was so fat that when he hit him with the double-edged sword, all the fat went over the sword and he just had to leave it. The Bible talks about height. It talks about Zacchaeus being a wee little man. A wee little man was he. It talks about Saul being a, a head taller than everybody else. It talks about Goliath being a giant. It even talks about hair. Yeah, yeah it, it talks about hair. It talks about Absalom having like four and a half pounds of hair. It talks about possibly Samson being dreaded. So it gives these physical features. But you know what physical feature I seem to find the most? It wasn't race. It was if someone was good looking or not. I mean, like where, where does this say this at? King David, the young David, was described as being a good looking dude with beautiful eyes. Bathsheba was described as beautiful or fine. Sarah was so good looking that her husband, Abraham, was afraid that he would lie and say, this is not my wife. This is my sister, because he knew that when he went to a certain kingdom or a certain nation, they'd be like, oh, who was that? Who was that? And they would ask about her. And he feared for his life and he thought they might kill him to get his wife. And he knew she was fine, fine. So he would lie. It talks about in Hebrews eleven twenty three Moses being such a good looking baby that when they found him in the Nile River. They were like, oh, we are supposed to kill him. But, you know, this is a beautiful baby. This is a good looking baby. I don't even care about breaking the Pharaoh's orders. It talks about someone being good looking or not a lot. Esther, she won a beauty pageant. So the Bible talks a ton about if someone is good looking or not. Joseph was so good looking at a woman ripped off his clothes and said, "Ooh, take me. Read about it. So the physical feature that's mentioned the most, I think, is if someone was good looking or not. I think it even talked about Leah having weak eyes. And I think that's supposed to be like possibly not looking good. But you know what it does not talk a lot about? Or maybe at all is a person's race, a person's skin color. The only time I really can think of or remember that is when they talk about like someone's skin, leprous, white as snow. And that wasn't a good thing. But what do you think? What is the most important feature that you want to know if someone was telling you a story? Have you been conditioned by America to think about race first? Because I think in a lot of ways I have. But remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23. And don't forget, you can even leave some comments on YouTube and we can have a discussion about it there. But our first world problem question today is what physical feature is the most important or you would want to know most if someone was telling you a story? And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is They Get All the Good Credit. 
This is the third episode in our four-part series for Black History Month. We're talking a lot about race and different cultural issues, and I want you to stick with me. We, we got a good one today. And on this episode, we're really going to look at the fact of how do we view color? How do we view race? And just to give you a little perspective or get you thinking is I want you just to think about how much we are conditioned by color in our American society or our culture. Something very, very simple. If you have an iPhone, you know very well if somebody else has an iPhone because the bubble is blue. Apple did a great job of making us look down on somebody or be like, ugh, they got my bubbles looking green. And we don't like that. So we are so conditioned by color that we don't even think about it nowadays. Now, some of us don't want to talk about color. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you a story. I remember a friend. She was trying to ask me about one of my other friends. Now, this was in a predominantly white setting, a lot of white people. And let's say this friend's name is is Tom. And she kept saying to me, like, you know, your friend Tom. And I'm just like, Dude, who are you talking about? You know, Tommy. Just like, I don't know who you're talking about. And the whole time as she keeps saying Tom or Tommy, I'm running through all the different white people in my head that I know names are Tom or Tommy. And I'm just like, I don't know who you're talking about. But after she got describing him after so many uh, descriptions that she used, I'm just like, hold up. Why you just didn't say black Tom? You know, it's only a couple of us here. But she didn't want to appear racist or she didn't want to uh, offend me. And the thing about it is we didn't call him Tom or Tommy. We called him Thomas. We called him by his whole name, Thomas. And it was just one of those things she didn't want to say his color or she didn't want to say what race he was because she didn't want to offend anybody. And it's like, it's the truth. He's black. And that would have saved a whole bunch of time if we would have just said black Tom or black Tommy. I would have figured out right away because, like I said, it was only a couple of us. Now, on this episode of They Get All the Good Credit, that is a reason that people have a beef with Christianity because they feel like the Eurocentric white people get all the good credit for Christianity. And some of them look back and they say, how can they get credit for certain things? Or they should get credit for being liars or deceivers or or false prophets. Because remember, they use the Bible to try to manipulate African slaves and to, to manipulate African people. And this really is a white man's religion. And it's like, you know, the Bible talks about this. And I got I said this before, but I'm going to give you this point again. And a Bible passage that talks clearly against false prophets and us being aware of this type of thing comes from second Corinthians 11 verse 13 through 15, which says for such people are false prophets, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Another Bible passage that talks about false prophets, Matthew 7, verse 15 through 16. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Notice that by their fruit, you will recognize them. So certain times people will say they do stuff in the name of God, but you look at their fruit and you're like, oh, that's all bad. That's some sour fruit. That's some nasty, spoiled fruit. That's how you know. It says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And this clearly warns us against false prophets. 
And sometimes people are like, well, the Bible is all white. If you really get to looking and researching and reading the Bible, the Bible is not close. <laughs> it's not close at all to being all white. And I did an episode, uh, think about a year ago at this time. It's episode 41. And it's titled, Does Race Matter in the Bible? I suggest you go check that out. And what I do is I talk about different African, um, different people in the Bible who seem to have African uh, origins or descent. Uh, One of them would be like Moses's wife. Another example would be possibly the dude who carried um, Jesus's cross. Another example would be the Ethiopian eunuch who who we'll talk about a, a little bit later. And people just forget that African Africa is mentioned in the Bible and people of color are mentioned in the Bible for sure. And I think of a group that's oftentimes forgot when I was researching and looking stuff up is the Coptic Christians. They are greatly persecuted or they have been greatly persecuted and they're found in like Egypt. Now, it's believed that John Mark, the evangelist, is who started their church. And that's in Egypt. And they're still around today. You can literally Google Coptic Christians and you will see people of color in Africa who have traces back to John Mark, the evangelist who's mentioned in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. Now, their doctrine isn't perfect, but they've been around a long time. They've been around a minute. And on this episode of They Get All the Good Credit, when you think about theologians or we talk about reformers today and the church gives a lot of credit to them, usually they all come from Europe or we think at least that they're all European. But all the theologians, all the reformers were not European. A lot of them had roots tracing back to Africa. Now, one of them that I kind of wanted to kill because they talk about the Lutherans and the Lutherans love who? Of course, Lutherans love Martin Luther. And I really couldn't do it because Martin Luther really was a good dude. He was a dope dude. He was so life changing from the standpoint that he stood up to the Catholic Church when they were doing wrong. He stood up to the Catholic Church. And because of this, because he was so honorable, did you ever realize or think about how did Martin Luther King Jr. get his name? Well, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dad saw what Martin Luther did and was like, you know what? I'm going to change my son's name, my son's name from Michael King and name him Martin Luther King Jr. Because he was so impressed by the life of Martin Luther and what he stood for, his ability to stand up because he was pretty much asking for a death sentence when he went against the Catholic Church. Like those were the heavy hitters back then. And Martin Luther stood what was what what was right and more so wanted the Bible to have its true to have its truth stand out and not all this man-made stuff that went along that the Catholics were, were throwing along with it. And he changed his name. He changed his name to Martin Luther King Jr. His father did, at least I should say. Now, with Martin Luther, it appears that Martin Luther really thought or really uh, gave a a good amount of credit to Ethiopian Christianity because I think it's in, let me see, in Acts chapter eight, it talks about the Ethiopian eunuch. And forgive me if I got, if I quoted that wrong, but it's definitely in the book of Acts. It talks about the Ethiopian eunuch. And it seems that he thought that that was one of the first kingdoms, one of the first nations that converted to, to Christianity. So Luther was all about that. He, he highly appreciated it, And that's something he seemed to like put in work and in, to research, actually. And on this episode of they get all the good credit, they get all the good credit. We have to look at some African 
reformers or African theologians, because like I said, a lot of times when we're in churches, it's people think that everything comes from Europe, but it absolutely does not. Everything is not Eurocentric. There is some Afrocentric stuff. And the first person that I want to talk about is that dude that Martin Luther seemed to be fond of or trying to research with the Ethiopian Ethiopians was Michael the Deacon. And when I was researching this, it was like his name was spelled M-I-K-L apostrophe Abba or something like that. But of course, we butcher names and we just went down and just changed it to Michael the Deacon. And it's to believe that Martin Luther, I think maybe 10 or 15 years after he wrote the 95 thesis and he got the church rolling and everything, really wanted to study the Ethiopian church, like I said, because he thought that that was one of the first kingdoms to convert to Christianity. I don't know if he was right or wrong with that, but that, that's what it appears that he thought. And he got together with the dude, Michael the Deacon, and they ended up having similar philosophies or I should say similar doctrine and became fond of each other but i guess this would kind of be hard because they had to have an interpreter and they weren't necessarily speaking this the same language but that was someone that martin luther was fond of that a lot of times doesn't get credit in our churches today the second theologian or reformer is tertullian and tertullian his thing his big thing was the trinity if you ever thought about father son and holy spirit that comes from tertullian and i just want to point out these different African theologians or reformers that I'm naming, I'm not saying they all black as night. In fact, I don't even know if they were necessarily black. I'm more so saying that these people came from African. They have African origins and everything is not European. Everything is not necessarily white that we have in today's Christianity. I just got to point that out and make sure that's clear. And the thing about Tertullian is he went against the Romans because he wanted to stand for what was right. And Trinity was one of the big things. The third one that I'm going to name is St. Augustine uh, of Hippo. And what some doctrine that he would be known for is the visible and invisible church. He would be known for predestination. He would be known for original sin. So those are some big things that a lot of churches teach today. And we hold dear to our, our hearts. The fourth one would be Athanasius, which also came from, from Africa. And he was big on the fact in the, in the era where people were starting to say, you know what, Jesus, Jesus really isn't God. He's not equal to the father. He's below the father. And he was like, no, hold up, hold up. Remember the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They are all equal. They are all on evil, even playing fields. Jesus is God. And that was his big thing that he stood for. And I just want you to think about from the simple fact that like race was so different back then. It was just a different phenomenon. And what I mean by that is when we think about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul called himself a Roman citizen. But at the same time, he was a Jew. If that was in our era today, we would have heard Roman and automatically thought, oh, he was white or, oh, this was European. But really, it's like he was still a Jew. And that's just something we don't necessarily fathom. But. We usually give it give race a precedent or have to put a race based off of where they're from. And the example that I think that we that that comes to mind right away, a lot of times just to say we just don't know at times is Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks, the best basketball player in the world. You can disagree with me on that, but I think he's the best basketball player in the world, the Milwaukee Bucks. But with him, he is clearly black. He's clearly black or you could say he's chocolate. He's clearly black, though. But. He has the name Greek 
Freak. His nickname is the Greek Freak. So I just thought about if he was a thousand years ago or thousands of years ago in history and somebody just said he was a Greek basketball player, what race would you automatically guess and think he is if you just heard this is a great Greek basketball player? What race would you guess? And that's just something where it's just different. It was just a different time and they didn't always put, oh, this person was that race or this person was this race. And it's just different. Now, none of the men that I named, the, the theologians, the reformers, they're, they're not perfect. They aren't Jesus. They're not Jesus. And they got some skeletons in their closet, just like I got some skeletons in their closet, in my closet. And we just got to ask for grace. And I'm not throwing a, a stone at anybody or, or trying to judge them. But I did want to point out the fact that Luther, who gets a ton of credit, he gets a ton of credit, rightfully so, for a lot of the doctrines that we have and reforming the church and, and challenge the, challenging the Catholics when they were especially wrong and taking advantage of people. In today's world, there is a chance that he would be on the cancel chopping block. And you're like, what are you talking about? He would be on the cancel chopping block because Luther, towards the end of his life, he got fed up with the Jews. He was absolutely fed up for the Jews. And this is this is unique because when he first um, when he first started getting into the game, as I should say, in reforming, he looked at the Catholic Church and he was like, man, y'all come too hard. Y'all coming too hard at the Jews. You need to be a little more lenient. You need to be a little more compassionate. But towards the end of his life, Luther started looking at them like these stiff necked people. The Lord is hard in a heart. These people are they're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. And he said things like their synagogue should be burned and all the Jewish books should be confiscated because it teaches blasphemy. And he was ticked at them. But I have to point out, Luther did not do this because of race. Say that again. Luther did not come at them crazy because of race. He came at them crazy. and He was so fed up with them because he's like, y'all supposed to be the chosen people of God. Like, how can you be this hard headed? How can you have your heart hardened? His was based off theology, though. He was mad at them because they theologically, theolog from a theological standpoint, couldn't look at the facts and say, like, dang, Jesus really is the savior of the world. So he was ticked off at them. Now, Luther did break one of his own rules because he started to contribute that God had hardened their hearts and things of that nature. And I got to read this to you. It says, Luther, one of Luther's rules was he taught that one cannot and should not speculate about the will of the hidden God for what God has not revealed cannot be known. And Luther just, he went too far in that regard. Luther really should have hit him with some Matthew 10 verse 14, which says, if anyone will not listen to you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. But Luther got heated with the Jews because he just couldn't understand. He couldn't fathom, like, how can y'all not believe? Why do y'all keep rejecting that Jesus is the Christ? So he got fed up with that. Now, on this episode of They Get All the Good Credit, I don't want to slam Luther or anything, but I do want to point out the fact that all of us deserve some type of credit. You know what we deserve credit for, including myself? We deserve credit for crucifying Jesus. We deserve credit for giving him a reason to, to need to die. We deserve credit for understanding that every single one of us needs a savior. But thank the Lord at the same time, we also had that good credit, that good, good credit. And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's because of Jesus Christ 
dying on the cross, rising from the dead, paying our debt in hell, and gifting us with faith. And because we are Christians, because we have that faith, all our debt is paid for. We got good credit. We got a perfect score. And that's because of what Jesus did. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of They Get All the Good Credit. This is the third episode in our four-part series. We got one more episode to go. One more episode to go. Make sure you tune in next week. If you like this or love it, you thought it was useful, remember to share this with a friend, write a review, leave a comment on YouTube. Yeah, I, that's greatly appreciated. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.